Good Thursday evening. Welcome to another edition of Sideline Junkies Thursday Night Throwdown. I guess it's a two-man power trip tonight because everybody's on special assignment. You got the Midnight Rider. Thank you, Dario. Appreciate that. <laughs> just you got sound effects, baby. Just great. You got the Midnight Rider, Ben. Of course, you got me, the big guy, KG, living in the loud house right about now. Uh, first and foremost, as usual, how you feeling, brother? Man, I'm good, man. Thursday, one more day left. Get to get it going, man. Exactly. I'll give you that. Um, tonight, we got a lot to cover. And, you know, myself, the Midnight Rider, we don't do no overtime, so we don't plan on doing no overtime tonight. Not a really, really great game, I'll say, to get into tonight, but we're going to do what we do with what we got. So first and foremost, we live here in the DMV. For those that are uninitiated, the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. And uh, to be a part of the DMV, you have to be on a metro line. You have I don't mean any kind of metro. You have to be a part of the WMATA system. If you're not a part of the WMATA system, you are not a part of the DMV. That is that. And a lot of people say, well, no, DMV was created for people that want to be from D.C. Whatever. It's what brings us all together. So we got to talk about this because this is happening in our own backyard and it could be happening right in our face. And that is the commanders hire Bank of America dot dot dot. Now, the question is, does that mean that the sale of the Washington commanders is imminent by Tanya and Dan Snyder? I'll leave it to you first on that first question, Midnight Ride, and I'll come back with my answer. So I heard a great question earlier today um, on the radio. They said, like, if you had to put it in terms of field position on the football field, where where are you in terms of the sale happening? Of course, being a touchdown or at the goal line, it would be, um, you know, thinking it's very imminent and it's going to happen soon. So with that said, I'm at the part of we took the kickoff. We took a knee. They put the ball on the 25-yard line. We got 75 yards to go. That's kind of where I'm at on this. Uh, and the only reason I say that is because I just don't trust this guy. Like, I just feel like at a certain point, like, I feel like if it's Jeff Bezos that gets the – that's leading in the clubhouse, like, this becomes Wolf of Wall Street. And you know how he's about to, like, say he's stepping down. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not quitting. Ah. And like the whole place goes crazy. That's how I feel Dan Slander might do it. He'll get to like the very end of it and be like, nah, like I need for this, for it to be a touchdown and for it to be good for me, I need to see the direct deposit or the check hit the account. That's what I need for me to be, I'll be part of any parade because I'm ready to go. Um, shoot, I might be dancing in the parade. I might be a drum major. I don't know, but I'm ready for him to go. But I'm just waiting for definite definite confirmation because I just think this guy's a little villain and he will do something like lead us on to believe that he's gone only to come back. So mm. <laughs> I had a I had a comeback, but I said I'm gonna leave that alone because look, we'd have had problems with HR up in here the last couple of weeks. We're not inviting HR back. You know, they done came in and did a review of the office and we didn't got in some trouble. But I agree with you. Once I see that the sale is final and it's been approved by the owners, great. And you, you alluded to 
one of my second questions, which is uh, which ownership group, if you could put together ownership group, was there an ownership group that's already together? Who would you want to take over? Um, but before you get to that, this is not surprising news because Daniel Snyder has went against his word so many times. I'm never changing the name. We will never change the name from Redskins. We went from Washington Redskins to football team to commanders. After this man was vehemently saying that he would never change the game, change the name. And then you come in and you change the name, you know. Oh, my goodness. Um, so I got a question for you. Okay. Um, What do you think? Was there like a last straw? Was there a combination of things? Like, how do you think, what was the step process to get us to here? To him looking for um, some somebody to buy the team or at least put the inquiry out there? He doesn't have anybody in the good old boy network on his side. You know how you got owners that side with other owners? He doesn't mm -hmm. have that. He doesn't have the backing of other owners. And they talk about him behind his back, which my thing is, Never talk about nobody behind their back. Don't say nothing behind their back that you can't say to their face. Right. And so, if you have... Go ahead. No, I was going to ask you. So you think that ESPN article is kind of the place where this kind of was the was the seismic shift for the owners. That article kind of pushed them over the edge. That's what I'm trying to... Like, I want to know how we got here. Like, well, you think it was somebody... Like, I know someone on the radio, they were talking about the wife getting booed. That kind of pushed it over the edge. Like... You well, think? you got to you got to look at it like this. The Washington football team, the Washington franchise, the Washington football franchise has been in disarray. It's been a clusterfuck for years. Right. Let's call it what it is. It's been a dumpster fire. When you start getting Congress in, involved and Congress is involved yet again with another investigation about financial improperties. You got owners that are looking like, okay, if they're looking into his books, they're going to come looking into my books. We got to get him out of here because he's bringing too much heat on us. So we got to get him out. That was it. Once you start talking about Congress, you start talking about sexual assault allegations, things that have been going on in different organizations because it's one organization that it happened in and ain't nobody said nothing about it since. All you're talking about is Washington. Nobody's looking south. They need to get him out of the house because he's the one with the matches. And he's burning it down. I think that was the that was the last straw. Once he once Congress announced another investigation, that's it. That's it. We he got to go. Look, either you sell the team or we we vote you out. And I think he took the sale of the team because he probably can make a little bit more money. So I think that's I think that's exactly what it is. I think. So for me, I have like five bullet points that kind of got me here. Uh, I think number one was the actual changing of the name. That's the first thing, because now it's no longer Redskins. It's no longer the thing he grew up in love with. Uh, I think number two is his mom passing. That happened within the last two years. I think that kind of like the last three years had to warn on him so much. Um, losing your mom, then you got these investigations. That's two. Number three is something you mentioned earlier about not having the backing of the network. 
not having the good old boys there, um, having his back. Number four is Tanya getting booed because don't no man want to see his wife doing something she loves, not get appreciated for it. And then number five, you actually just changed number five for me. The last thing you just said was something about the books. Um, that becomes my fifth thing in this process. And the reason I say that is because the NFL was very nonchalant in its approach to the Colin Kaepernick kneeling situation. The second the NFL and the owners changed their minds is when Donald Trump started talking about closing up loopholes, antitrust, and all that stuff. That's when the change was made. So I think you're, you're, I think you even nailed it. That might even be the end all be all point is once you start talking about the books, the NFL don't open this books for nobody, nowhere, no time. So I think that's the kicker right there. So now we're talking about groups, right? Yeah, but let me touch on this real quick. And I'll say this. You talk about politics and football. Once politics and football came in, you know, everybody, oh, we'll keep politics out of football and this, that, and the other, and no. And then, you know, Jerry Jones goes and gives, what, a half a million dollars to somebody's campaign? But you're not, you know, that's news, but nobody's talking about that. Right. Then you got the government jumping in on investigations, but nobody's talking about that. But anytime in sports, when the players have something to say, it's shut up and dribble, shut up and play. But now we have women being mistreated. Nobody has anything to say. And I think everybody's starting to open their eyes. And I'm like the boss BJ. I don't like the term woke the way it's being used these days. It's more of a, awakening it's not a, a woke but it's like more of an awakening because things that are happening that have been happening behind the curtain are starting to come to light right now and it's practices that's been in place for years and now unfortunately it's all starting here in washington but it this has a chance for everything everybody to crumble but onto the groups if you could put together a group do you have a group in mind that you would like to see by the commanders no and the only reason i say no is because um we're dancing with the devil that we don't know. I mean, we could be easily walking into Dan Snyder 2.0 um, and not know it. But, of course, we're going to give him five or six years to prove that to us first before we go down that road. Uh, the person or the group that kind of sticks out, there's a guy, I think his name is Josh. I want to say it was Josh Harris that was in the last group of bidding. Um, he's from Silver Spring area. Uh, he would be his group. Just because they've been through the process, I would say would be somebody that I, I would think of. And I would think of um, what's the guy, the black dude that's trying to get into it? Um, uh, Byron Allen? Yeah. I would, I would like his group. And here's the reason why. We're in November now. League New Year opens in March. I think the next league meeting is sometime in March, like beginning of March. Then you also have them meeting for the Super Bowl. So the reason I'm, I'm liking the prepared groups or the groups that are already together, because the NFL has already done most of their background research on these teams and they have enough in place. So this won't end up like the last time when they sold and it it lasted until like, I think it was like May before Snyder got officially announced as the owner. But at that point, we're past free agency. We're past the draft. We're past everything. It's no way he has time to change the coach if he wants to change the coach bring in a GM. 
So I would love for them to have that schedule quickened up to where the owner's in place by March. So when the league year starts, they come in fresh and they're ready to go. Now, see, you, 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 you talking about Byron Allen and whatever group that he puts together. And I, I said, you know, Byron Allen and Jay-Z would be okay for me. Um, Jeff Bezos has been connected to buying his team for last five or six years or so. Right. Here's the thing. Jeff Bezos runs most of uh, Amazon. It's a lot of things that go behind the, going behind the scenes at Amazon that most people don't know. Amazon, oh, you see the commercial. Amazon's a great place to work. Amazon has everything. Everything. Mm-hmm. So you want something, you can get it from Amazon. But it's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes. I don't think he knows that because it's way below him. He got people in place. And I think he would be an okay owner. I'm not going to say a great owner because he knows how to put people in place to make him make money. <laughs> and he knows how to save money. So he'll put somebody, he's like Ted Leonsis, but with more money. He'll put the people in place to make the money. But when it starts being a losing product, he knows how to get rid of them. Now with Jay-Z, I'm okay with Jay-Z, but Jay-Z got to atone for some things before he come to D.C. You you made a statement, and I I feel that this statement kind of hurt the movement when he had that meeting with the NFL, and Jay-Z said, uh, it's time for us to move past Neely, you know. We got to move past Neely. What are we supposed to move to, Jay? What what did we move? What are we moving to? Jay-Z has yet to tell us what we're doing since we're moving past Neely. What are we doing? Tell me, ho, what are we doing? I'm waiting. We have yet to get it. And I think that kind of hurt the movement an awful lot because you say it's time to move past it, but then it's like it got swept under the rug. You did everything to, to, to put it in the news, and then all of a sudden it's no longer news anymore. But we still have the same things happening that caused the kneeling in the first place. So I think I want Jay-Z, and me personally, I want Jay-Z to atone for that. Like, dude, you made this comment expound on it tell us what we supposed to do since you you got the answer please because this is a peaceful protest and now we're not doing anything nothing's being brought to it we still have the same problem i digress i like byron allen the most because of byron allen is worth 800 million dollars himself and the thing is he's amassed his fortune over time and i remember I'm sure, Ben, you old enough to remember the Byron Allen show. Yeah. Used to come on, yeah. what was that? Used to come on Fox like at 1130. Yeah, it was Yeah. And I loved, even as a kid, I loved that show, and I've been a Byron Allen fan since. And I'm like, this dude has amassed a fortune over the years. And you don't hear about him in no controversy. He's just trying, he's trying to get himself into the next investment. He's trying to, he's buying up TV stations, everything. But he also has his hand in how these things work. So he knows the inner workings. I would love to have him here as the majority owner because of how, when whatever he touches turns the gold. Well, I, I think the only way he can't really be majority unless he's like, that's going to be a big ownership group. I mean, he's what, 800? Yeah. And the talk is this is going to get to six, maybe seven. Yeah. What, the 700 million? No, the seven billion. Seven billion. Oh shit! The team. The, so they the, the Forbes had them evaluated at five point six. Mm-hmm. Now, if you add the five point six and you take into consideration the land, 
the opportunity to shape your fan experience going forward because you don't have a stadium. So now you get the, like, you're a big, you're a rich guy or a rich person. All the cities come back to the table to build a stadium because now Dan Snyder's gone. Mm-hmm. I still don't think RFK is an option, but I'll digress on that. Yeah, because uh, I, 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 it's a whole article out there about it. If you haven't read it, I'll send it to you. It doesn't even matter because I, I personally feel like the city council is going to be too full of itself to allow it to happen because it's not their idea, their plan, or they didn't come up with it. Between Mendelssohn and company, they'll screw it up. So I'm not worried about it because there's too many people that's on the board that ain't real. They may have grown up in a DMV, but they ain't grow up in D.C. That's mm. how I'll leave that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I love it's that. Truth. It's the truth, man. It's the truth. Um, they might have been in those stands, but still, it's just it's a difference, man. It's a difference when this is your city and that's your team, and you walk in under the bridge up from lot eight or lot three or whatever it is. It's different, man. It's mm-hmm. totally different. Um, I would love that experience again. I would love to give Josh that experience, but now I've gone off on a tangent. Um, but, bring me back. I, bring me back. What, what you're saying is absolutely true. Yeah, which oh, that's what I was saying. So you, as an owner, you get to shape the experience. So I think that number over the evaluation is going to go up uh, because you get, you're creating everything, mm-hmm. and, and so it, you'll get money from the league, you'll get money from wherever you place this stadium, this event. So, and what would a rich person want to do with creating a stadium? Like you're building something from the ground up. And it's going to have your name on it. And then in two years after it has whatever name on it, you sell the rights and you get your license and rights and you're good to go. And you get your money back too. You start making that money on the back end too. Exactly. But that now, 30 million come in every day on the first day of the season. That's, that's just TV money. Here's the thing. The reason why I say Byron Allen, and I, I understand he could still be the head of it. I know. But you, you, you have other people investing just date daniel snyder has always been talked about before when he first bought the team he was talked about as the guy oh what it, what was it was it aol what, what was the yeah, internet yeah, it was AOL. AOL. Yep. Yeah, that's where he made his money at aol oh daniel snyder this daniel Snyder that but he had a whole investment group of guys behind him and he slowly started buying those people out over the years and he bought the last few out last year well, and that was the issue too because they were complaining about not getting their dividends, mm-hmm. not getting their shares, and things like that. So I think that's the that one bit of information kind of makes me think that this is this is all or nothing. Either he's selling or he's not. There's no in between where he's getting investors because nobody's gonna want to get in bed with that. And if you do, you're crazy. Yeah. Now see, think back when we're talking about ownership, and then we'll move on. Jack Kent Cook. Bought this team from was it Bennett? No, no, Bennett was uh was he wound up running the day to day. He was part owner. He took it over from uh God, what the fuck is his name? I can't think of his name. It, it, I see his face and can't think of his name. Okay. Oh my god, the original owner of the Washington franchise. Oh my god, I am drawing a blank. I got notes for all of this, and I'm drawing a blank. Um. George Preston Marshall. Okay. When his, when his health started to decline, the ownership group transferred everything to Edward Bennett Williams, who is okay, a. Okay. 
Yeah. Who's an absolute legend in the area, not only in football, but in baseball, too, because he owned the Orioles for a little while, too. Edward Bennett Williams ran day to day operations while Jack Kent Cook, who was a minority owner who kept buying pieces of the team every year. He was the owner of the Lakers, the Kings, you know, teams out west. He dropped all his stakes in that when he sold his team to Jerry. He sold the Lakers to Jerry Buss. Came to D.C. And if you haven't watched Winning Time, they actually talk about that transaction. Love that episode. But he came to D.C., took over full day-to-day control, bought everybody out over the time. But my, my point is, you can start off with just a little chunk and then slowly right. just buy guys out. Once the money start rolling in, you start buying guys out. And they'll, they'll gladly say, okay, we'll invest. We'll stay invested for five years. We'll get our money back times x amount of dollars and we're good you know we're good you you don't have to worry about us we want to see you win but we want to see you win like this and th- those are the type of friends and connections that you got to have you have to have people like that so i hope that's the case but only time will tell so of course whenever something comes up we will talk about it right here um next up jack a little somber note uh in my opinion the greatest punter of all time hall of famer first punter to ever be taken in the first round this gentleman right cheer come on now mr ray guy passed away at the age of 72 um a lot of people credit him with the institute of hang time in the nfl and they always say ray guy didn't punt for distance he punted because you couldn't return it. And you made a, a great uh, a point. You put up a quote from Bum Phillips about him putting helium in the ball mm-hmm. because he would hang punts. And only other punter that I knew in my lifetime that hung punts that made people wonder what they were on, Reggie Roby. I he was going to say that name. Yeah. As Reggie you Roby. started going down that stretch, I was like, because I first thought it was Tampa, but that was the, the black kicker, Donald Ikwe Bouquet. Um, during the Doug Williams years, and then mm-hmm. yeah, but Reggie Roby, Reggie Roby used to wear a wristwatch, and he yep. would hit this. He would time his own hang time. And he, I seen him hang a punt for five seconds, and I remember it was one. It was a Monday night game. He was in. He was still in Miami. He hung a punt so high, they think it actually touched the top of the stadium. Wow, like he hung that, and his leg used to come up to here. He's hang right. that thing. But Ray Guy, um, three-time Super Bowl champion, one of one of Madden guys. He was a Tom Flores guy, spent his whole entire career with the Raiders. He was a Raider through and through. He was an Al Davis guy. Um, I'm gonna turn it over to you. I didn't spoke enough. I mean, you got anything to say about this great? I mean, you you all the tidbits, you took them. So we must have been on the same website. But um, no, nah, I just thought the guy was a was the innovator. Uh, like you said, the, I think the reason we have hang time is because of him. And it had to be some, I think it was somebody else in the NFC because I remember, and you, you might be old enough to remember it, might, you might not, but it used to be a little clock in the corner um, when the punters came out and they would actually time the hang time on some of the kicks uh, back in the day. So, yeah, I think Ray Guy was just phenomenal ahead of his time. I can't even think of any other kickers that, like punters, I mean, I can think of Sean Landetta just because he was in division. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that's it. Like it's not really like you don't really just think of upon us. I mean, See, I probably I'm, if I'm pressed, I can probably name a couple, but I just don't have you on the top of my head. So that's, I'm, that's I'm, I'm, different. I'm different when it comes to punters. Oh my goodness! Of course, you name oh, Michael Rain. Michael Rain. You name Landetta. Landetta. Mm-hmm. You got to go over and you got to talk about um Matt Turk. He was a B, he was a Pro Bowler. What four or five years in a row? Um, matter of fact, at one point in time, he was our only Pro Bowler. Tressway right. is in that uh in that company, and Tressway uh NFC Player of the Month. Right. Um. God. Oh this, man, there's uh, the whole um Colquitt family. Yeah. Uh, like if you want to go modern, you got Pat McAfee and all that. I was trying to make all the old school dudes when we were talking, but Ralph Mochienko. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, I think that's the thing for me. I think Ray Guy just stood out so much. He was head and shoulders above everybody else that no matter what from that era, you had you remembered him if you remember anybody else as a punter. That is true. And when he went into the Hall of Fame, I said, finally, you know, of course, Jan Stenaru, first pure kicker. The first pure punter was Ray Guy. Here's the problem. Those are the only two special teams that we have in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Reggie Roby should be in. Morton Anderson, Gary Anderson. Uh, even Tom Dempsey, you know, for being a record setter. You got to start putting these special team guys, these kickers and these punters, because nobody talked about flipping the field. Until Ray Guy. Ray Guy was, a, and I heard John Madden say this. He said, one of the things Ray Guy did for us, he flipped the field. Nobody talked about that then. And that's how good punters are. You can drop a punt inside the 20, inside the 10. Now, that's a stat in the NFL. How many right. punts does he drop inside the 20? How many touchbacks does he have? And then when you got a guy, I remember Tressway did it a couple years ago. All he, you know, sometimes 100 punts, no touchbacks. You know, they're down in punts. Right now, he's at 20. right now he's at 20 without a touchback. 20 without a touchback. And being able to put some English on the ball, you know, Ray Guy is. You got to hear his interview today. Yeah. You got to hear Trustway's interview on Grant and Danny today. Okay. You hop on for like 10 minutes. You'll like it. Of course talking about spins and all that stuff. Hmm. Well, oh uh, man, what was the uh the punter from uh San Diego? He was a rugby player. God, Darren something, I can't think of his name. He wore number two. He played, it was like early 2000s, but he had a different way of way the way he punted because he he didn't he was a drop kicker, but he dropped okay. nose down. So okay. he dropped nose down, he got more of the ball and he got a better spin on it. And guys said it was kind of harder, like. The rotation of a ball that comes off of a right-hand throw as opposed to a left-hand throw, it's the same way when you kick. The rotation is different. So if you got a left-footed kicker and a guy's used to a right-footed kicker, it makes it hard for him to handle the ball. Game-changing. Game-changing. But nobody talks about the punters. This is why they need to be in the daggone Hall of Fame because they what they do is a talent, especially when they doing meetings. You know, you got a punter that can flip a, flip a ball behind him and turn the lights out. That's talent. That's talent. Um, World Series. We got the Phillies. We got the Astros. Uh, the Midnight Rider got some notes here. Houston, one and a half point favorites over the Phillies. Over under is 7.5. Uh, Verlander versus Syndergaard. Syndergaard. Okay. Or Syndergaard. 
Okay. Um, so, so game three was postponed. Senegal was supposed to go there, but he got pushed back two days. I guess maybe he threw a lot that day preparing for the start. So instead of sending them out the day after because of the rain out, they pushed them back two days. This would be a natural throw day for him in terms of his cycle of throwing. So this isn't an issue for him. Um, Verlander has notoriously struggled in the um, World Series. Uh, so I think I, you would take the over. I would take the over in this uh, because Houston's gotten out to, I think, three straight 5-0 leads or it's been a 5-0 lead three times in the series already. I think the f- I think Houston takes it. I wanted yeah. to say the Phillies, but I think Houston takes it. And, and then they know. go back home again with the opportunity to close out in two games. Uh, the only problem they have is they don't know who they're starting game six and game seven. I don't know if they're going to try to bring back um, Javier or if they're going to bring back uh, – I know Framer Valdez might come back to um, game six. But it's going to be interesting how they figure out that rotation. But Dusty's got to be – if he wins tonight, game six and game seven have to be an all-hands-on-deck type of game. Short days rest and everything. Just let it go. Now, let me ask you this. Did you see the video with Bryce Harper talking? To, I don't. I can't remember the player's name. I've watched the video three times. And he said something to him in the on-deck circle about a pitch that was being thrown. And he went out there first pitch and knocked that thing out the, out the park. So the story, if I think, if I know what you're talking about, I haven't seen the video, but there was a clip where they showed Lance um, McCullough's pitching and his leg extension or the way he brings his leg up on a fastball as opposed to an all-speed pitch. Like there's a, there's a height difference. Like on certain pitches, his leg only comes up to his hip. Other times his hip, leg comes up to his elbow. And that was kind of the, the tip or the thing that they were saying he was tipping his pitches. So I, that's what I think the Phillies do. In baseball, you always do that. That's the whole point of having those 25 guys standing on the, sitting on the wall um, paying attention is because you want to pick up a tip. You just need that one thing. Even if it don't mean nothing and it's not real, it's real in you, to you, and you want to have confidence thinking that you picked up on something. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Now, Dusty Baker. God dag on Dusty Baker. I, I've been a Dusty Baker fan for I don't know how long, maybe – since he was with the Giants, you know, I didn't really see him as a player. I wasn't really in the baseball that that heavy as a player what, to watch him as a player. But when he was with the Giants, I was a big fan of his. And to see to have him here in Washington and I was upset that he didn't get that World Series title. here. It's like teams never get it with Dusty and then they win after he leaves. And I, I hate that. Because he put together good squads. I mean, that's he's the one, the one of the winningest managers in baseball. His only problem is the small details. Dusty does the small details a different way. His small details are, say you from a certain city, well, you're starting that night if you're if you're an everyday player, you're gonna get a start. You know what I'm saying? You might start play that whole that whole series in different positions because that's your hometown, and he figures your family will come see you play. Dusty give you days off on your birthday. Like he's the ultimate caretaker of the small things. The only problem for me with Dusty is there's small things inside of a baseball game that because he's old school, 
he doesn't make changes early enough. So I thought he stuck with Verlander too long in game one. He should have got him out. And then that would also give him the opportunity to bring Verlander back. Maybe his natural throw day would have been game three. So maybe you bring him back for 20 pitches in the inning in game three or game four. And then, boom, you you, you let him come back on a regular rest and maybe pitch game five. Stuff like that. Little things inside the minutia of the game. So that's why I think Dusty loses things. Uh, there were a couple times, I think he went to Max and, well, they got robbed in that Cub series when he was here because there was three plays where the, the umpire just totally let them down. So that's that's another issue. And I'm not going to go too far into details of that. Well, let me ask this question before we move on to our final topic. Dusty's son, he's Darren still, right, he's still in, the, in the Washington farm system, correct? Yeah, he's actually playing this year in the Arizona Fall League. Um, he's going down to hit, play some winter ball, fall ball in Arizona. Um, he's probably going to have – he'll probably be the kind of guy that he comes to spring training. He'll get seventh, eighth, ninth inning at bats maybe, and then that's about it. And then he'll go down to whatever um, triple-A squad or double-A squad he's playing with. But they might give him a, at least a look to see what he looks like against – regular competition. And I bring that up because talking about Dusty in uh, San Francisco, and I remember that was the little kid that was the bat boy that almost got ran over. They had to pull off the base path. That's that's the little boy. We you watched the, him as a grown man. That's the little you boy. You know the story behind that though, right? Not the full story. I remember so watching Dusty, the little story. So Dusty was diagnosed. I think he was diagnosed with some kind of ailment. I don't know if it was cancer or whatever. I don't want to speculate that part. But he wasn't he wasn't feeling good, um, and because he was on the road so much, it was only really the time he was getting to spend with Darren. Uh, his mom actually, Dusty's mom actually calls him before the game and says, "Don't let him be the bad boy." But because Dusty was so in the moment of just spending time with his son and not knowing how much time he would have, he did it anyway. So of course the kid runs out. JT Snow paying attention grabs him and hauls him out of the play. But that's kind of the backstory behind how we got to that point. Really, I never Dusty's knew that. Like, Dusty's like the Forrest Gump of baseball. <laughs> no, seriously. So he, so Dusty's on the in the on deck circle when Hank Aaron hits seven fifty five. Dusty hits the game winning RBI to win the Dodgers their World Series. I think, uh, I think that was eighty or whatever. Eighty one. Dusty's there for Bonds seven fifty five. I mean Bonds um home run streak and his seven. Breaking a record, uh, Dusty's here for Bryce Harper's MVP season. It's just a lot of stuff in baseball, period. And then, even to the point where I think, um, one of his best friends in baseball is cool with Obama. And after Obama became president, Obama actually called Dusty, and Dusty was like, How you get my number? I'm sorry, I got uh, too much Dusty facts. Like, I literally watched a show on him like two days ago. Well, apparently, uh, according to American Dad, uh, Dusty Baker invented the high five. And, you know, that's what <laughs> said, but that in that's one of my favorite American Dad episodes as well. You know, because so, it's involving Dusty Baker. Two things before we get out, because um, I know we gotta get to the next topic. One, Bryce Harper's having like one of the greatest postseasons ever. Um, two, Jeremy Pena is gonna be a star. If you don't know who Jeremy Pena is, he's the shortstop for the Houston Astros. Baseball is in very good hands. Derek Sanderson Jeter left 
baseball in great hands with <laughs> Carlos Correa. You sound like you about to throw up saying that. <laughs> I'm just messing Jeremy Pena. Yeah, I mean, there's it's some good shortstops coming that are out there right now. And um, baseball hasn't probably been that good at shortstop in a long time. Agreed. Um, man, so we're going to keep up with that with that World Series. But before that, before we get out of here, we got a game tonight. It's not a, a pretty game, as I said at the top of the show. Eagles versus Texans. Uh, man. <sighs> Toilet bowl. Eagles are 13 and a half. Yeah, 13 and a half point favorites. Over under is 45 and a half. I'm going to let you handle this first because then I'll go into why I think it's a toilet bowl. But go ahead. I mean, I think the beauty of this game is, is football. Um, football, but um, you're, you're talking about Philadelphia, who's probably looked like a runaway train, a freight train. Talking about the Texans, who really haven't. They've been terrible for a minute. The Texans have Damon Pierce, one of the um, up-and-coming running backs. Davis Mills has been solid, but he's probably going to get replaced next year with a high pick. You have a defense that's okay for the Texans, not nothing special. Brandon Cooks is out tonight, so that might hurt their overall passing game because the Texans were idiots. They wanted a second, a fourth, and you could eat his salary. Not happening. 18 million um, guaranteed. Yeah, not happening. So for some reason, this is probably the worst run franchise in the league in terms of transactions. Oh, we're two, but they're number one. <laughs> I didn't know anybody was worse than us, but okay. They're number one. I mean, if you think about the Deshaun Watson thing and how they facilitated some of that, and there's more like, yeah, they're they're number one, trust me. And they wear it proudly. Um, they got the foam fingers to go with it. Philadelphia, I mean, it's just a dynamic offense. You got Devontae Smith, one of the fastest guys, quickest guys maybe in the league. You got the the monster AJ Brown. Uh, I don't know how Tennessee didn't didn't back up the bring struck on that. Um, I like Traylon Burks, but he ain't AJ Brown. And um Miles Sanders probably is gonna get loose tonight. And then Jalen Hurts just looked like he's in this zone. I don't know what it is. Uh, I knew he wouldn't be a first-round guy, and I argue with people about that, but I thought he was going to be solid. But he's actually exceeded my expectations uh, just with his work ethic, just from what I've seen, what I hear about him. So I take – I'm going to take the Texans to cover just because of Lovey. Um, I think they'll cover just because it's football and sometimes leading games – Teams kind of let you back in. I think Philly might let them back in. Um, but I think Philly's going to get out early. So if you're a gambler and you like like first quarter or second quarter spreads, I would definitely take Philly um, in those in those areas for sure. I'd also take them for the, for the win, but I wouldn't take them to cover. I will take the Texans to cover that 13 and a half that we got from FanDuel because FanDuel produces all our lines for any betting segment and number segments that we provide for you. Thank you, FanDuel. <laughs> Endorsement incoming. Um, the reason why I call this a, a, a toilet bowl, because Philly, and it's a tra- I think it's a trap game for Philly, because you're riding so high and then you get a guy, I'm sorry, you get a team that's so low, it's just like a trap game. 
It's like it's waiting for you. I just played a trap game on Madden, and I didn't even do anything wrong. The game glitched. So, you know, I play in a 2 and what was it, 2 and 10 Green Bay team. I'm 11 and 1. I'm rolling in there, and all of a sudden, Green Bay playing me like they undefeated. You know, I'm struggling to score against these dudes. So it happens. And you said Derek Stingley. Derek Stingley Jr. So that's the cornerback for the Texans. I think they drafted high in last year's draft. He can bowl. Out of LSU. Yeah, out of LSU. Um, But on Philly side of the field, they got got Darius Slay and Bradbury. So Mm -hmm. it's going to be interesting how this game plays out in the air. Uh, You got some good corners. Uh, You have some good talent here. So, yeah. But you didn't give me a pick, did you? Not yet. Speaking of, you said something about A.J. Brown. Okay. I was told I was tripping when A.J. Brown and uh, D.K. Metcalf were coming out. Everybody's like, oh, D.K. going to be this. D.K. I was like, D.K. Metcalf is not the top player on that team. A.J. Brown is, oh, man, A.J. Brown a bum. I said, look at A.J. Brown's stats compared to D.K. Metcalf. D.K. Metcalf is a physical specimen. He's great to look at. But when it comes to on-field play, A.J. Brown is the better of the two. No, it's not. No, it's not. A.J. Brown has had the better career. D.K. Metcalf just had the highlights. But A.J. Brown has had the better career over these last, what, three, four years? Mm-hmm. Come on. Even at Mississippi, he was a better player. And I said that. The stats didn't lie. D.K. Metcalf stayed hurt a lot. The only problem, I mean, the only thing about that is if you ever saw, if, if you were in any college magazine when they were coming out or when they were there together, you would have thought they were the two DNs in the 3-4 and they were coming off the edge. Like DK is what, 6'4", 235, 240. AJ 6'2", 6'3", 230. Like those aren't receiver. That's, that's not receiver numbers. And both of them are burners. They they are burners. I, I love AJ Brown. I, I, I He was my favorite. Nothing against DK, but I was like, I want AJ Brown. Because I, I did the way I thought about it, I said, hmm, in a perfect world, you have A.J. Brown on one side, Terry on the other. Mm-hmm. And then people be like, oh, that's not going to be nothing. Then all of a sudden, you just getting beat on post routes all day long. Just a quarterback that could just say, okay, I'm going to throw it to a spot. Go get it. But my pick for tonight are the Eagles. And I think the Eagles will cover this 13 and a half. Mm-hmm. I, don't think, I, I don't think this is going to be a game after halftime. I think by the time we get to halftime, this game will be so out of hand that Philly would just come out, run the ball, run a little clock, punt it away. Then the defense comes in, beat, dominant, and they got new toys. Well, you know Jordan Davis is out for four weeks. Ooh. But that doesn't hurt them because they no. got Javon Hargrave right behind them. Um, product got a South Carolina State. So they still going to be solid up the middle with him and Fletcher Cox. And then you still got – you just picked up uh, – no, I'm sorry, Robert Quinn. They got Robert Quinn. Roquan Smith went to uh Carolina. Where was no, it? No, no, he went to um the Ravens. Oh, Ravens. That's where it was. Ravens. Why am I thinking Carolina? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But you still got weapons on that defense, and then you got two shutdown corners. Yep. This this is gonna be a massacre. Hopefully, for my sake of my sanity, it's a Thursday night massacre, so everybody can stop talking about the Monday night massacre because I keep seeing videos. I saw videos about that. All last week, oh, Michael Vick did this on the first play, dog. I, I, I lived it. I, I watched the whole entire game, went to bed sick. I think I called out to work the next day. I was so sick. 
here we go. My man, Laron Landry, puffing his chest out. Yeah. Did, mm, I love the Dirty 30, something terrible. But then mm-hmm. I started noticing, you know, as much as I loved them, I ain't never seen nobody thump their dag on chest after getting ran over by Brandon Jacobs, and he picked up 15 yards, and you made the tackle. Oh, my friend has a good genuine in that. It was like when he came to the make the tackle, he was like beep beep, and Brandon Jacobs came through. Bah, bah, <laughs> you want to know something crazy? Madden ten, I used to play with Washington, and Leron Landry could hit on it. But the thing is, he would hit, and it'd be an eight yard game. He would jump up, he'd point, and all this. I'm like, oh, they got him real life. Thing. Yeah, it, it was, was an eight yard game. I'm like, when it came contract time, I was like, you know what? I ain't got money for you, dog. I had drafted what? a dude the year before. I was like, I'm good. See well, you later. He did the, um, he did the D- David Boston. It's like he he lifted himself out of his position and out of the league. He would be great right now where he could come down and play a little linebacker. At, you know, he could eat all the you know vitamins and shakes and – yeah, lift weights and be 230 and his arms look like legs and stuff. But yeah. yeah, and that was the problem with him as a player. It's like you got so swole. And then he remember he failed when he went to the Jets, he failed a couple of uh, random yeah. drug tests. And you got, you got so swole, you couldn't turn. But what it, he had a problem with his Achilles. Did he tear his Achilles or what was it here? I don't, I don't remember what happened. They, but they never said really what it was. But like I said, it was him and David Boston, two guys that were yoked up, too yoked up to play their <laughs> play their position after a certain time period. That is true. And if that's what you want to do, you want to be a bodybuilder, have at it. But I need you to play safety. And I, I realized watching LeRon Landry that Sean Taylor covered up a lot for him. And he was in races. All, all. See, the problem was instead of them going and drafting the free safety, they just tried to move him over to free. He was nobody's free. He couldn't cover the. He was fast, but he couldn't cover the ground because he didn't have. I'll say the word. Mike Mayock says he he didn't have oily hips. He didn't have his hips were too stiff. Blah blah blah. <laughs> I know this sounds so terrible, but that's what it was, man. You know what? It was a guy that I used to work with. We used to call him Coach because he was a coach. But he used to say that uh, AJ. I was like AJ Hawk gonna be like the best linebacker coming out of the draft. He's like AJ Hawk ain't got no hips. He can't turn. AJ yep. Hawk ain't got no hips. Yep. And I was like, what? He said, watch AJ Hawk when he dropped back in the coverage. He got no hips. He yep. can't move. And I started watching. I said, oh my god, I never noticed that. He taught me something different that day. But the thing is, they tried to insert my. And I love Reed Dowdy. Reed Dowdy. I, when he didn't re-sign here, my heart was so hurt. And he just decided to retire. I said, Reed Dowdy got something that nobody else on this team has, and that's heart. You can't measure that. That dude would stick his nose in anywhere and lay a He's the smallest thing on the field, but he was going to hit you anyway. He was the he was the most miscast player. Like, he's the definition of why this team has gone 20, 30 years without winning consistently. It's because you keep – miscasting guys into roles that they don't fit into. And you do it year in and year out. Like we just you can't keep ending up having to start Reed Dowdy. You know what I'm saying? You you go get OJ and Togway, he gets hurt. 
they got to start Reed Dowdy. Like, there's got to be somebody else there before we get to Reed Dowdy. And that's the other issue I used to have is he was one call away, not two. Mm. It's just a problem this team has had layering out its roster. Well, let's hope that going forward, Washington does not have to deal with that because our brain trust, which is Marty Herney, Martin Mayhew, and Ron Rivera, can get this thing together, get the ship right, and hopefully, you know, coming into Sunday with Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings coming in, we can have a great showing and show that we are for real. So, and uh, speaking of, I'm gonna ask you one question and then you can answer it now, or you can say, Hey, we will carry it over. We'll put a pin in it, as you like to say. We'll put a pin in it. If you were the owner of this team, what's the first thing you would do? Mm. Now, that's a pinnable question because I know I caught you off guard. So, yeah, in it. Yeah. Back back on Sunday. Mm. Mm. I want to write it down. Yeah, let me write that down. If if I was on it, uh, yeah, was on first first thing you do. Um, first move. First move. And if you want, I'll be nice. I'll give you two. Mm. Because you might have so much you want to do. Oh yeah. 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 Only option is you can't go back to the Redskins. (laughs) Well, okay, I, I I can deal with that because. Yeah. Now, see, you you throwing it in my wheelhouse, but I'm used to dealing with it on a video game. You asking me this in real life. Right. Oh, my God. Okay. Mm. Yeah, because I know you play on franchise mode. And you oh, yeah. Owner mode. And, you know, yeah. I think I got the most years running of A-plus and owner mode because when it comes to prices of potato chips, I'm your man. I know the sweet spot on you. price of potato chips. I got you. So. I'm sorry uh, I cut you off. No, doing? that's cool. Um. Uh, speaking of Ron Rivera, uh, condolences to his family. He lost his mom uh, two two days ago. So you know, yeah, he was able to uh, be at her side when she passed away. So condolences to his family. Um, condolences to Tom Coughlin and his family. He lost his wife yesterday. Yeah, I think it's Judy Coughlin. I believe so. Um, we had a lot of death. Just NFL only. You know, we a lot of death. Ray guy. Uh, Ron's mom, Tom Coughlin's wife, uh, John McVeigh, uh, a legend. How about that? Legend. Like, John McVeigh is synonymous with uh, uh, the 49ers. You know, absolute legend. Um, man, don't have nobody has to die to tell you that life is short. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you got to know that every day, live it to the fullest and be happy, man. But hey, we got to get up out of here. Um, that's the midnight ride. I'm the big guy, KG. You know how it go. We will be back in this thing, uh, probably Saturday. You know, Saturday night WrestleMania. So until then, we don't do no overtime. We are out of here.